Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. All right, good morning, church. Can we get everybody here and get get settled in a little bit? Those that were able to make it today, looks like we got a lot traveling today. Uh, we want to welcome everybody that's online. Um, what a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. Just want you all to come up. I need all the youth who were at camp last week. Now to let you guys know, we actually had a pretty big group of kids at camp last week. Now you see that it doesn't look like we got, come on Ray Ray, you're at camp last week. Not our camp, but you're at camp last week. Um, you can see we got, don't have as many up here as at our camp because one, a bunch of them are traveling or on, on their way for vacation this week. Um, last week was amazing. And I'll try to hold it together the best I can. Um, the presence of the Lord was so overwhelming last week. Last week was beautiful. Last week our kids were pressed in. Last week our kids fellowship. Last week our kids broke bread. Um, to sit there and, 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 and I'm going to offer any of the kids to share how the Lord moved through them last week. But I just want to share briefly how the Lord moved through me last week. A couple of moments. I think the first moment would be is, is all I can say is our Wednesday night was unbelievable. When I sit there say unbelievable, I mean, it literally was unbelievable. The Lord moved through these kids in ways that I've never seen before. And it was absolutely amazing. But then Thursday night came and I, I caught something out of the corner of my right eye. If you guys want to know what the beautiful, what's beautiful about camp is how it affects every single person that steps on the grounds of that camp. And I look over and I see Carter and Aiden Wongler being prayed over by another young man. And then the next thing I look over and I see those boys' hands are raising up and they're bawling unto the Lord. It affected every one of us. And then Saturday, yesterday morning, I'm sitting here cooking breakfast, worshiping the Lord and started crying, thinking about, I wish I was back at camp with all you guys. It was so good. God is so good and he's so amazing. And I pray that you guys continue to pray that the fire continues to stay lit. I pray to you parents to be woodchuckers, to throw wood on this fire, that these kids stay pressed in, they stay focused. And um, we'll see what the Lord's going to have in store for us all. At, at camp, it was so amazing. I passed out twice. I don't know if it was because I was tired or, <laughs> or there was so much Holy Spirit around me. I felt like God was praying for me. Ever since sixth grade, my first year at public school, my mammal got sick and then stuff happened. She died from cancer and I got mad at God. And I said, why did you take my best friend? I never got an answer. And then I had an aunt that died. And then I'm like, why are you taking all these people from me? And then I get a little bit better. High school came. I'm with the wrong crowd. I do and say things I'm, I, that's not good. And I get further and further away from God. Sophomore year, I lose a best friend. She texts me and says that we can't be friends anymore, mostly because I was with the wrong crowd. And I was just getting mad at God and asking him, why is everybody leaving me? 
I lost a dog, and I lost another dog, and another one. I'm like, why is everybody leaving? And I got so mad at him. And then summer came, and we had Jeannie camp, and I was a helper. And I saw all these kids praying, and I just started praying, and I was crying, and I got better, and it's just I still had this burden on me. And I was just having all this guilt from regret from doing all the stuff I did. And then scenic camp came and Tuesday night, I was worshiping after sermon and I heard something and he was saying that I need to get prayed for by Miss Jenny Wongler. And I was like, why Miss Jenny? And I waited. And then Wednesday night came and he said it again before sermon. And then during sermon, it's just like, you got to get prayed for, you got to get prayed for by Miss Jenny. And then my cousin JD, her papa was in the hospital and I was just praying with her and I was hugging on her and her mom came. And then my friend Tori asked me if she wanted, if she, I can go with her up to the altar. And I said, yeah, I'm going to get prayed for by Miss Jenny. I went to Miss Jenny and I said, I just have all this weight on me and I just need freedom from it. She prayed freedom. And then I sat down by Addie that was on the ground. And then Lauren came and sat by me. And then I see Scott Long just walking on the stage and then he's just staring at me. The thinking anything of it, I closed my eyes and I started crying. And then Tom is still, I opened my eyes and he's still looking at me. And then he's talking to this girl that's in a green dress, I don't know her name. And then I open my eyes back up and he's over there and he points at me with a smile on his face and tells me to come up there to him. And I came up there and he tells this lady to put her hands on my head and pray and speak life into me and pray for freedom and get this burden off of me. And so she starts praying and tells me to, to kneel at the altar. And I'm just crying and pouring my heart out. And then Ariel comes over and she's praying for the exact same thing that everybody else prayed for. And I was like, what is happening? And then a kid, um, Tyler, he came. And then he starts yelling at me. He said, you're not done yet. I was about to get up. And he said, you're not done yet. And then so then I just passed it on the ground. He's like, you're not done. Just keep crying. Just keep pouring it out. He's like, you're the reason why you're shaking is because you're shaking all those sins out. So I started shaking even worse. Then Thursday night, Miss Amy prayed for me. And she prayed for the exact same thing that I've been needed to pray for. And I start crying, and then Mary prayed for me. And everybody's praying for the exact same thing. And then I just, I felt a hand on me. It wasn't like any other hand. And I look behind me, there's nobody there. And he tells me that I am worth it. And he tells me that I'm loved and that there's a reason why I'm here. And JD, she came over to me. And she said, Taylor, if you weren't here, I wouldn't be alive. She said, you saved me. She was going, a long time ago, she, after her mom died, she was going to kill herself. And I told my mom what she told me in the bedroom at Papa's house. And I told her that JD told me that she wanted to do something to herself. And she said, I saved her from that. And she said, if I wasn't here, that probably would have happened. And I'm so happy that God has given me all these friends or I probably wouldn't be here either. And I got free from all the stuff I did.
Okay, so not only was senior camp absolutely amazing, but I went to junior camp, and first off, I made this an amazing group of friends. Like, I don't know how I went all my teen years without them. They just help you push closer to the Lord while they, you can also have fun, but they just push you in your faith no matter how you're feeling or what you're feeling. They just encourage you through it all, and it's, it's amazing. And when we were at junior camp, I just look around and I see all these kids and they're all just kneeling at the altar and it was like nobody was judging anybody. It was, most kids are afraid of being judged and being afraid of being looked at in a wrong way, but every single one of them was kneeling at the altar just pouring their heart out and it really inspired me and I didn't even want to go to senior camp, didn't have fun last year. I, bad experience but I went back and I I'm so glad that I went because I received something that I wouldn't have got if I didn't go it was so amazing to sit there with everybody and just pour into the have the Holy Spirit pour into you and Wednesday night it was absolutely just it was amazing I can't I can't even put it into words but Every single person was pouring out without judgment. It felt like you were the only one in the room with God. It was so amazing. So I'm really glad that I got to go spend the time and be a leader and an example for the little kids at junior camp. But I'm so glad that I got to experience the same thing for myself at senior camp. And I'm so glad that I made myself go because it was so I didn't go to senior camp. I went to passion camp with uh, my com or with my common ground youth group, and uh, I wouldn't say this year. I think I grew stronger in my faith a little bit. I definitely got answers that I needed, and um, I saw a lot of brain uh, chains broken with a lot of my friends. I saw a lot of their uh, addictions and problems go away and uh, we've ch all challenged ourselves to really try to because it's easy to stay tuned in with the, with God whenever you're surrounded by ones that also are believers but the battle comes whenever you're by yourself whenever you're away from camp whenever you're not around all your friends and stuff and we just have challenged ourselves I'm actually doing a 30-day thing with Hallie and her group of friends on starving your flesh, what is it? No secular things. And, uh, you know, I'm really trying to make sure that everything that I do is of God and just try to live in the Lord because. So I'm from Texas, most of y'all know that. And um, living so far away from here, then because I used to live here, it's hard because I don't get to see my friends, my uh, original friends. So coming here and the 17 to 18 hour drive just gets me like very excited and prepared for camp, mentally prepared. And when I got there, as soon as I stepped foot, I like felt the Holy Spirit. And I saw all my friends and it made me really happy. And it's just hard going out without them because like they're the ones, they're my like, first Christian friends and who I like first started with 
and I won't get to see them until next year. Um, but Wednesday, I went down to the altar, and as soon as I saw Sayla crying, um, I caught her before she, like, because she was, like, shaking, and I caught her, and as soon as I caught her from almost falling on the floor, I started shaking and crying, and um, people prayed for me. Miss Katie prayed for me. She's one of my youth group leaders, and she said, you're not just a youth pastor's kid. You're, you have so much more planned for you, and then I, and when we were in the cabin last, like the, that night, she said, that wasn't me talking, that was God talking through me. And then Thursday, a lot of people prayed for me and they said that exact same thing. And that's when I knew that it was actually God. And I'm shaking right now. And I just kept shaking. And it just felt really nice being in the presence of the Holy Spirit because it's just like this most amazing thing in the world because when, once you're in there, you never want to leave. So that's why I wish camp was like three weeks <laughs> instead of like three or four days. Um, so yeah, that's it. All right, let's stand. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing presence here in this house. The presence that you, you that the, all these kids felt last week. We're so overwhelmed by your glory, Lord God. And we thank you for all the men and women that were at camp last week that sowed into our youth. That's one of the most beautiful things, Lord, I find at our camp is that everyone is just there for each other. And it's such a beautiful thing seeing the book of Acts being lived out there. We just honor you today and we praise you and we glorify you, Lord God. I pray to you right now, Lord, we humble our hearts right now and that we press into this time of prayer and worship and that we do our due diligence just to seek your glory, to seek your presence. That was one of the things that kicked off our week, Lord, last week was when someone said, show us your glory. As Moses said, show me your glory, Lord God. Show us your glory this morning as we give you all praise and all glory. And church, just step into his presence during this time of worship and seek him. He's all that matters. His presence is all that matters in our lives. And we know that when we're pressing into Jesus, that all things are going to fall into place. We give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just invite you right now to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and just begin to worship the Lord. Come on, just begin to praise Him. Come on, this is our offering to you, God. It's our hearts. It's not just a physical action. It's not just that I'm raising. But God, this, we're saying, here we are, Lord. Like all my heart, all that I am, God, in my weakness, in my failures, in my sin, God, in my shortcomings, in my pain, in my hurt, God, whatever it is, God, just, I just say, here I am because I know that you are enough, God. And in the midst of whatever it is that I'm feeling and going through, I just throw in my hands and I lift up my voice and I say, Lord, you are worthy, worthy. You are always worthy. No matter where I am or what I'm going through or what I feel, you are worthy. You are clean. You are loved. You are beautiful. You are powerful. You are redeemed. this morning.
In Jesus' name, let's give him a big praise offering right now all over this house. Come on. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I just want to to just keep your attention. Don't don't move just yet. Stay right where you're at. I just want to pray. I just want to keep a really strong reverence. So if you just keep looking up here. So I just feel like that God wants to just really love, love someone's heart right now. I just feel like there's a man. I know there's a man, maybe two. I'm sure there's a lady, but I just feel so drawn in my heart. And Jesus said that there was no place that you could go to hide from Him. And He says, no matter how far that you think you've ran from Me, it'll never be further than the stretch of My arm. And He wants you to know the depth of His heart and His love for you. And He wants you to know that His plan for you is so much greater than whatever the, you, the world is trying to offer to help heal or to help, to help numb or, and just listen just in a safe place because we've all been there before. Jesus just wants you to know that He loves you. And He's reaching out to you. He's just waiting for you to reach out to Him and let Him be the answer for what you're feeling and what you're going through. He's enough and I feel like that in your heart you know that He's enough. I feel like the struggle is that you feel like you're not enough. And Jesus says, if you were the only woman ever on the planet, I would have come just for you. Just for you. Just for you. Just for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, I come just for you. Now, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'm going to ask everyone just to bow their heads in reverence right now. And we're going to pray into this. And we're just going to ask the Lord to move in their hearts. We're going to ask right now that they reach out to Jesus and they just say, Jesus, I surrender this. And you can't wait until you get everything in order. You can't wait until everything's broken off in your life. He's the one that breaks it off. The first step is just to say, Jesus, I trust in you and I believe in you. Amen. And you just begin to say, I choose you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I invite you to do that this morning. So, Father God, all over this house right now, (coughs) I don't just limit it. God, I know that there's more. I just know that there is a man that you put on my heart, God. And so I just know there's more. But Lord, I just pray right now, as you've just revealed your heart, God, to the children, to the youngest child that's in here, God, to the oldest person that's in here, God, everyone in between right now, that we would step into the love of the Father, that we would hear your voice today, God, and we would know that you're there. You're always there. We can never fully hide from you. In our darkest places, God, you were right there with us. And even then, as we were running in obedience and maybe, or disobedience and even choosing disobedience, God. We never ran outside of the stretch of your arm, God. You're always there. And this morning, you're reaching out your hands and you're saying, child, come to me. Child, come to me. Daughter, come to me. Son, come to me. I'm enough. I love you. But you're enough. You're enough. Reach out. Grab my hand. Believe in me. Trust in me. So, Father, right now, we acknowledge that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We acknowledge that we all needed a Savior. We acknowledge the birth and the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
We understand that He is our Redeemer and that we're sinners and we need Him. And that by confession and following Him that we can be saved and have eternal life. And that you can begin to manifest your strength and power in us to break off chains and to heal our hearts. So Jesus, all over this house, we just say, Lord, we choose you. We accept you. We believe in you. We want to live for you. We know we can't do it on our own, but we say, Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. I choose to begin to walk with you today. I trust you. I'm leaning on you from now on. I'm leaning on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's get Lord a praise offering. Good morning. You all make it so easy. The presence of the Lord is so strong. And you really don't know how blessed you are. I've said this many, many times to people that I know that my home church just knows how to bring the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, so it's something to definitely um, not get so used to, you know, like because it's not common everywhere else. And so it's just so nice to be here. I am going to be speaking about fear. And when I say the word fear, what first comes to your mind? I know for me, it might be a scary movie I've seen in the past, or maybe the things that I'm afraid to do. Like, I'm afraid to bungee jump. Josh and I love watching Amazing Race, and I've often wanted to do that with him. I don't know how we would take six weeks off, but I've often wanted to do that with him. But I was like, I know we would get to the challenge of bungee jumping, and I'd be the one that would have to do it. And I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> I hate the feeling of falling, right? When we think of fear, I think we often think of it in a negative connotation, right? That uh, there's that campaign not too long ago, you know, no fear. And we always say faith over fear, which is true. But the fear I'm going to talk about today is not that type of fear. It's the fear of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I have not really understood what the fear of the Lord meant. I've seen it often in scripture, but I've never taken the time to really delve into what is the fear of the Lord. Anybody else? I mean, I don't know. I just, it's kind of like one of those things, like I know it's there, but I haven't really stopped to think about or really understand what it means. And a couple of months ago, we had John Bevere. I don't know how many of you know John Bevere, but he came to our church and he's been doing this tour called the Olive God. And he's been speaking on the fear of the Lord. I strongly urge you, if you can, to get his book. It's phenomenal. I haven't even made it all the way through yet. Um, it's a lot to digest. And he said some things in that uh, conference that I just, I have often wondered and it's just like, it just clicked. We watched a movie, and I won't say who the singer is, but I'm sure you'll be able to figure out about a famous singer who has now passed away. And I've always loved this singer. And I, we watched this movie, and afterwards, Josh always makes fun of me. Anytime I watch a movie about somebody, you know, based on a true story, I always go and research it to see what is, what is true and what wasn't. I always do that. And so I started researching, and I found all these interviews that she gave, like on Oprah and just different things, and she's giving glory to Jesus. Like, she is glorifying Jesus. She's, she's talking about how much she loves Jesus. And I really was conflicted in my spirit, because when you watch the movie, and a lot of things were true in the movie, she didn't make choices that I know Jesus would be pleased with, Right? And so I had this question in my spirit, like, Lord, because she's not the only one that I've seen over the years that say they love Jesus, but then when you look at their life, I'm not trying to judge, I'm just saying when you look at their life, it doesn't seem to line up. And something John Bevere said just really struck me, and he was talking about a minister back in the 80s, probably some of you would know, I'm not going to say the name, I figured it out. He didn't say the name, but he was a famous televangelist, had one of the largest Christian ministries in the world at the time. 
and he got put in, in jail, I believe, for mail fraud. He had had an affair on his wife. And so John Vere said he went to go visit this man in prison, and he said, you know, you, you started off your your ministry so passionate and just so in love with Jesus. He said, what a point, what point did you stop loving Jesus? And he said, oh, I never stopped loving Jesus. He said, I didn't fear him. I did not have the fear of the Lord. And he said that made him really start delving into what is it mean to have the fear of the Lord. When we were in Tennessee a couple weeks ago, uh, it's funny how God puts his people together. And we ended up getting in line behind this pastor. He was a hoot and a half. He was like going and talking to all kinds of people. He was fun to watch. Anyways, um, we were talking and he was talking about how they went and saw uh, these bears, right? It was the lady. They had saw, went to Cades Cove to see bears and they saw a mama bear with her cubs. And she said, but I was shocked at how these parents took their babies out of the car and went to go watch this mama bear with her cubs. She said they had no fear. So sometimes fear is a good thing, right? Because if that mama bear would have felt threatened, there could have been a national news story, right? And so fear is not necessarily a bad thing. I think we just have to understand what does the fear of the Lord mean? I believe the fear of the Lord is not when we want to run away from God. We don't want to run away from God. It's a fear that I want to be, clo I want to be so close to you, God, that I don't want anything to get in between me and you, right? What separates us from God? Sin. Sin separates us from God. And then there's another thing within Christianity that we kind of say that everybody's a friend of God. Remember we used to sing that song? I am a friend of God. Anybody else remember that now? I am a friend of God. You call me friend. Well, I'm beginning to think that that's not true for everyone. Not everybody can be a friend of God. Let's look at the scripture. In John 15, 14, it says, You are my friends if, okay, so there's the if, you're not always my friend, you're my friend if you do what I command. In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect. That doesn't, that's not what Jesus meant. If we could be perfect, he would have never had to die on the cross. That's not what he means. But I believe that we need to be having some kind of striving, some kind of trying on our part, that we are trying to obey what God has commanded. I told the teenagers at camp, the Lord gave me this illustration, because in James, it talks about the scripture. He, he says, you know, somebody that hears the word of the Lord but then doesn't do it is like somebody that looks in the mirror when they walk away, they forget what they look like. And I was talking to them because, you know, teenagers spend a lot of time in the mirror. <laughs> At least girls do. And you don't try to fix on the mirror what's wrong, right? If your hair's out of place, you're not trying to fix it on the mirror. You can't do that. And what the Lord showed me is so many Christians, this is to be our mirror to our spirit, to our life. We're to line up what is here, Right? But what's happening in Christianity today? They're trying to rip pages out of here. They're trying to fix it here. Oh, well, I don't agree with that. I still want to do that. And so instead of lining their life up with the word, they're trying to change the word. We can't do that. If we want to walk in the fear of the Lord, it doesn't work that way. That's not true freedom. That's not true Christianity. I don't know how many remember back in the day, Pastor Tony he was talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Does anybody else remember when he ripped the page out of his Bible? 
I was thinking about that. I think it was like 1 Corinthians 12. And I asked him later, did you mean to do that? He said, nope, totally in the moment. <laughs> Why? Well, I've never forgotten it. So <laughs> he's like, some churches just want to rip this out of their Bible. And he ripped his Bible. I was like, wow. <laughs> Psalm 25, 14 says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. Who does the Lord confide in? He confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. I mean, do you just confide in anyone? I don't. I confide in those that are close to me. Those are the ones that are his, his friends. And we're going to look in scripture of a couple of examples of those that were his friends. Proverbs 1-7. There's so many scriptures I could share on the fear of the Lord. And I know I'm going through them fast and you're probably trying to find them. And you can't find them. Just write them down. You can look back at them. I promise they're in the word. But Proverbs 1-7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 8.13 To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. So many Christians are embracing evil. Deceptively, really. They don't think they even realize what they're embracing. But to fear the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate what he hates and love what he loves. It says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. But how many of us are being entertained by the very things that God finds an abhorrence to him? That, that we are supposed to be not, we're supposed to be hating these things. And gosh, it's really hard to watch things now because it's just so full of evil. Psalm 110, verse 10, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. So here we, again, we see a connection between the fear of the Lord and the obedience to his word and his commands. This is a really cool promise. Proverbs 14, 26, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children... It will be a refuge. You have to fear the Lord for your children to even know where to run. If they don't see it reflected in your life, it's going to make no sense to them. Proverbs 3, 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Psalm 34, 9, Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. I could keep going on and on. There's so many scriptures that talk about the fear of the Lord. But how, what a cool promise. It says those that fear him will lack nothing. They will lack nothing. When Moses went to take the people out of Egypt, right? The Israelites out of Egypt. I think a lot of people think they were just headed straight to the promised land. But they really weren't. Moses wanted to take them to where he met with God. Mount Sinai. You guys know that story? And so he wanted them to meet with God. And you know what? God was going to meet with the Israelites. God wanted to meet with them too. And so he said, purify yourselves for so many days. Get yourselves ready. And what happened? God came down on that mountain in a really glorious way. And he began to speak to them. And what was the Israelites' response? They were afraid. In fact, they ran from God. They told Moses, please don't let God speak to us ever again. Right? You just get... You talk to God for us and tell us what he says. Because you know what? They had too much of Egypt still inside of them. They weren't ready to get rid of Egypt yet. 
And they were in the presence of a holy God and it scared them because they weren't ready to get rid of Egypt. And we see that many chapters later when they make the golden calf and worship it. And it just blows my mind. They just saw physically, heard physically the voice of God. And then just a few chapters later are worshiping an idol? What? <laughs> How is that possible? But they didn't have a fear of the Lord. And Moses is confused. Because look at what Moses says in Exodus 20, 20. He says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. It almost seems like he contradicted himself, right? Because he says, don't be afraid. And then he talks about the fear of the Lord, but they're not the same thing, right? Fear of God. If you look, I think it's, Jim would have to correct me if I say this wrong, Yara in Hebrew. It can be translated as fear or as awe. So to fear God is to be in awe of him, to honor, tremble, revere, esteem, respect, value. I like that, value. And venerate him more than anything else or anyone else in your life. So if we fear God, we are going to want to obey him. We're not going to want anything to come between us. If, if there is anything, we'll get rid of it. And we'll love what he loves and we'll hate what he hates. It breaks my heart to see where so many churches and so much is happening in, in the church of today. The, the lack, there's just a lack of fearing the Lord. There's no other way to say it. I, I'm going to get on a little soapbox. Can I get on a little soapbox? A couple of friends I saw post, they're supposed to be Christians. They posted these t-shirts they had bought that said, um, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And it, I'm sorry if you own this t-shirt. I'm so sorry. But it got on my nerves because I'm like, I just don't get it. Colossians tells us to get rid of filthy language. I mean, it, and I understand slipping up once in a while, but to, bra to me, they were bragging about it. They're like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm justifying my sin. And Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. It should be, no, it should be, I want to be holy as you are holy, God. Wear that t-shirt. But don't go bragging about, I cuss a little. It's not okay. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to compromise. We're trying, you know what the Bible says about lukewarm Christianity. He wants to spew you out of his mouth. Be hot or cold. Don't walk around promoting sin. I know it's just cussing, but still. That's what we say about a lot of things. It's just this. It's just that. It's just we're not walking in the fear of the Lord when we have that attitude. I'm sorry if you have that shirt. Anyways. <laughs> you know, I said at camp, I felt like the Lord told this to me because so many people, I think, you know, our sin just distorts so many things. And, and your sin doesn't keep God from loving you. My sin doesn't keep God from loving me. But it does keep me from loving God. It separates us. And Jesus didn't die on the cross for it to continue walking in sin. And he gave us the power to overcome sin. It's that simple, but we've got to, you know, you guys are talking about walking in the supernatural gifts of the Lord. And sometimes I know I'm hungry for that. I want to see a move of God. I want to see the miracles of the Bible. I want to see these things. But you know what? The only way those things are going to happen is if you walk in the fear of the Lord, you've got to be close to him. Those things are not going to manifest out of your life unless you're close to him. Otherwise, you're going to take credit for the healing. 
You're going to take credit for the prophetic word that you just gave somebody. That's not what his gifts are for. It's not to boast you up. It's to glorify him. So for you to get this, if you guys really want to start walking the supernatural, it's going to take getting rid of some things and deciding that you're going to walk in that fear of the Lord, that you want to be so close to him. Abraham's another good example. You know, Moses, the Bible says, talk to God face to face. Wow. I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. So Abraham's another one. In Isaiah 41.8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham. And then it says, after Abraham, it says, my friend. Can you imagine being called, like in the Bible, being called God's friend? Like that to me is mind-blowing. I don't know about you. But, and so this verse is calling Abraham his friend. And Abraham was a descendant of Noah, right? Shem, he comes through Shem. And we see in scripture that God comes to Abram and calls him to move to a land he had never seen. He's about 75 years old at that time. That's crazy to think about, right? <laughs> because it wasn't an easy move. It's not like he could just hop on a plane or a bus. It was a walking venture. And I looked up, and one of the, his, the biblical historians said that this journey was he traveled 700 miles to the borders of present-day Iraq, probably another 700 miles into Syria, and then another 800 miles down to Egypt by the inland road, and then back into Canaan, which is now Israel. That's a long journey. This took months. This was months. So whenever, when God comes to Abraham, I mean, that was a huge step of faith. That wasn't nothing small. And even in Abraham, well, at that time he was Abram, right? Even in that step of faith, we see where his faith getting to the end story that I'm getting to. It was a process, right? Because we see later that he was married to his half-sister, right? I know that's weird. Teenagers, ooh, gross. That was what they did back then. It was his half-sister, but, it, you know, he goes, he's scared. He's scared that these people are going to kill him for his wife. I mean, she must have been really gorgeous. It's hard to imagine being that old and being that gorgeous, but she must have been. And so he convinces his wife to say, you're my sister, right? He wasn't completely honest. He wasn't completely trusting the Lord. And so as we see, his wife gets saying, I really don't know what Sarah thought about all this because this just didn't happen once. This happened twice. <laughs> I'd be a little mad at Abraham by now. <laughs> he gets taken. She gets taken into the king's harem and God protects her, you know, reveals to them like, hey, that's Abraham's wife. And, and God takes care of him. God's grace covers Abraham. But we definitely see that he didn't have the same kind of faith. His faith was faltering. And that's okay because God works with us where we're at, right? We go from faith to faith, glory to glory. So it's a process of getting to this place of walking fully in the fear of the Lord. And then we see again with Hagar, right? God promises many descendants. Well, then Sarah gets impatient. They get impatient. Hey, take my handmaiden. I didn't see Abraham arguing. Okay, I'll go sleep with her. Has a baby, you know? I mean, this is our great father of the faith, right? Don't you love that the Bible didn't leave this stuff out? Because I can relate. And we see that God still uses these people and he still calls Abraham his friend. How cool is that? So we see that it was a process. But you know what's really cool? Is whenever God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, who does he come to? Abraham. He's like, I'm going to go talk this over with Abraham. 
And so Abraham and him are talking. And he says, God, if there's just 50 righteous, will you still destroy that city? God says, no, if there's just 50 righteous, I won't destroy that city. God, if there's just 45 righteous, 45 righteous, will you destroy the city? No, if there's 45. I've often wondered, what if Abraham would have said, God, if there's one righteous, will you still destroy that city? Because Abraham stopped. But there was one righteous, and that was Lot. Now, there's a difference between Lot and Abraham. Lot was clueless as what was about to happen. But because Abraham walked in the fear of the Lord, he knew exactly what was about to happen. So we see a difference here. I believe there's two types of Christians. I believe there's those Christians that will know the secrets of God and those that won't. And what's the difference? It's those that walk in the fear of the Lord. Those that walk in obedience to the word of God. The best example that I see in the word of the fear of the Lord is when Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. The most prized thing in his life. This was his promise. This was God's promise to Abraham. And now that I'm a mom, I relate to this story so much more. Right, parents? Like, can you imagine? And it couldn't have made sense to Abraham, because here, okay, you've promised me that Isaac is going to produce all these descendants, but then now you're telling me to kill him. This doesn't make sense, God. And we don't really know what Abraham was thinking, but you know what's cool? Is it says the next morning. It doesn't say two weeks later. It doesn't say a month later. God speaks to Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and sacrifice him. And the next morning, he begins the journey. It was immediate, immediate obedience to something that didn't make sense. And then as you go and see, and I always wondered what Isaac was thinking. <laughs> like, Dad, where are we going? <laughs> What's going on, Dad? Where's the sacrifice? Wait, Dad, why are you tying me down? What's going on here, Dad? <laughs> like, I really, there's so many questions I have for Abraham when I get to heaven. I really want to know what was going through their minds during this whole thing. And he went as far as lifting that knife. Lifting, I mean, he was going to do it. He was going to do it, and the angel stopped him. And listen to what the angel said. And I never noticed this before I started studying the fear of the Lord. It says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. God says, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham proves that he valued nothing more than God. That's convicting. When it comes to our babies, that's convicting. That I would not even withhold my children from him. That I would value him above all things. That's challenging. That's so challenging. And then I love it because God provided the ram. So Abraham showed what it means to fear the Lord. He showed that his obedience was immediate that he obeyed even though it did not make sense. And I've had that in my life many times. Even though it was going to hurt, even though it was going to hurt, he still obeyed. Whew, this isn't one that the American church likes. I'm just saying. We don't want to hurt. But even though it was going to hurt, he still obeyed. And this is another one the American church doesn't like. Even though there was no benefit promised. He saw no benefit, yet he still obeyed. He trusted God above all things. 
So it's a process. Like I said, as we see Abraham, it was faith to faith for him to get to that point. I don't think at the beginning of his journey, he would have been ready. I don't think, right? I think, but we see the process that God walks as he was learning to walk and fear the Lord. God got him there. Oswald, Oswald Chambers said, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And I see this so often. What are we fearing in our lives that we shouldn't be fearing because we should be fearing God? Like maybe it's your job. Maybe you're at your job. Your boss has asked you to do something that you know directly goes against this word, but you're afraid of losing your job. Do you still do it? Or do you trust God and fear him enough to work it out, to do the right thing? There's all sorts of situations that I could go on and on and on that we are faced with in this life that we are tempted to fear men over fearing God. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a group you run with or whatever, but you tend to fear them more than you fear God. And Matthew 10, 28 says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I remember when I was at Lee, Dr. Khan got up, and I heard many messages at Lee that were very, very good, but I don't remember a lot of them. <laughs> but I remember him saying this, because I believe a lot of us, it was right after Columbine had happened, you know, when the shooting happened at Columbine, and they were going around asking young people, do you believe in God? And they, if they said, yes, they shot them. And so he said, if there was a gunman to come in here right now, he said, I would venture to say that the majority of you would take a bullet for Jesus. He said, I believe a lot of you would take a bullet. And I was sitting there thinking, I don't, what I, <laughs> trying to think what I would do, you know? But he said something so profound. He said, but how many of you will live for him? Because it says it's easy to take a bullet and die right in that moment and go to heaven. But how many are willing to live every day for God? I thought, wow, <laughs> that was so convicting to me. Because it's not easy, is it? It's not easy. We are constantly being bombarded, especially with how our world is today, with things that are constantly trying to distract us from walking closely to the Lord. We're constantly being tempted with things that makes us not want to do it God's way. How many times have we been offended? How many times have we, you know, the Bible says if you're offended, you need to handle it a certain way. It's right here. But we don't like confrontations, so we just don't do it. Are we fearing God when we do that? If you know somebody has been offended by you, do you go to that person? Because that's what scripture says. Before you make your offering to the Lord, you need to make amends with your brother. How many of you are gossiping? A lot of scriptures about not gossiping, causing discord, division. The Bible is very clear about what God feels about people that cause division. You know, I'm, so, I'm starting to talk about those things that we, we just think about. Oh, yeah, drugs, alcohol all these other, no, there's a lot of sins within the church that we just ignore that are greatly affecting us being able to walk closely with the Lord. And it's different for all of us. I've got the same stuff, you know, like I'm constantly having to stay before the Lord. Cleanse my heart, Lord. This person upset me today. <laughs> please cleanse my heart. I don't want this bitterness in my heart, God. Please cleanse it. We have to keep our faces before God and we can't ignore it. That's what a lot of us want to do. But that's not solving anything. That's not fearing the Lord. It's not doing what Jesus told us to do. He said to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate you. Gosh, that's hard stuff. We can't do it without 
the Holy Spirit's help and with us, without us being willing. How many times have we chosen to do something because we feared a circumstance, a, a man, or we just wanted Egypt more than we wanted God? And we thought not much about it because God loves us. And he does. He does love you. But he's not, you're not going to be as close to him as someone else that decides to walk in the fear of the Lord, who decides obedience over their flesh. John Bevere made a statement that he believes the church as a whole is about to experience a mighty move of God as the church begins to repent for its lack of fearing God and begins once again to walk in the fear of the Lord. And he told this story of when he was in Brazil. And this was back when pastors used to sit on the platform. <laughs> so he said he had a good view of everybody. And he said this was a believer's conference. It was packed with thousands of believers. But he said, he, you know, you would think being in that kind of atmosphere with all those believers that the presence of God would just be off the chain. You know, like it would just be so, just such a magnificent presence of the Lord. But he said he couldn't feel the Lord's presence at all. And so he said he started looking around, and as he was looking around, he was seeing people just chatting it up, talking to their friends, going and getting food at the concessions during worship, while worship is going on. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to have to deal with this. And so he said he let worship play out, and he got up. He was the keynote speaker. He said, I got up there, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me to not say anything. <laughs> and so he said for a couple minutes, I just stood there. And he said that's a way to get people's attention. Because he said all those people that were talking, all the rumblings, every, he said it was a complete stillness as it was awkward. <laughs> okay, they're like, why isn't he talking? And he said he began to admonish them and say, you know, if you were at a table talking to somebody and they were looking around and they were trying to talk to everybody else but you, would you stay at that table talking to them? He said you, gave more, you would give more respect to whoever the soccer player was at that time. You would give more respect to that soccer player walking in the room that you had the presence of God. If your president walked on the stage, you would give him more respect, more attention than you've given the presence of God. And he said he started preaching on the fear of God. And he said before he was, he said he gave an altar call, had him lift their hands of those that felt like they needed to repent for a lack of the fear of God in their life. He said he couldn't even, before he could even pray, the presence of God was ushered into that place. He said he heard physically a mighty rushing wind come into that building. And he said the fear of God, the, that presence, he said, I was afraid to say anything else. It was such a mighty presence of the Lord responding to the repentance of his people saying, I'm sorry, God, that I have not walked in the fear of the Lord, but I want to. If the worship team wants to come up, I'm almost done. Solomon, the wisest man to live, as we can see early in his life, feared the Lord, right? God comes to him, says, I will give you anything you want. What do you want? And he asked for wisdom to lead God's people. But what led Solomon away? Well, the Bible, the word, the law said they were not to marry foreign women. But Solomon did. And so that led him astray. He began to worshiping idols and all sorts of things. And if you read in Ecclesiastes, a lot of people don't like that book for some reason, but I think it's interesting. Because you see Solomon's journey. He had all the money in the world. Like he had everything you could ever want. And he says he experienced everything he could ever experience. He's learned all. He studied everything he could study. He did everything. He did every pleasure, everything. He experienced it all. You know what he says it is? He said it was like meaningless, like chasing the wind. 
And at the end of Ecclesiastes 12:13, he says, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Another scripture can sum it up like this, Deuteronomy 10:12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I, I told the teenagers this, that so many times we just think of repentance as kind of this one time asking forgiveness and then we're good, but it really needs to be a lifestyle that we are continually searching. God, search my heart. What's there that shouldn't be there? Like it's different for all of us. And so if you guys wanted to stand and as they sing, I just felt led for us just to have a time of repentance before the Lord. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to do the same thing John Bevere said he did in Brazil. That if you feel like you have, maybe there's an area of your life that you really haven't been walking in the fear of the Lord, but you want to. And you just want to confess that and say, God, forgive me that I have not been walking in, in the complete obedience in some area of my life that I know you want to. Now's the time to just, that's what I love about Daddy God, right? Man, all we have to do is say, God, here it is. I confess it. And he just comes and sweeps in and loves on us and says, I hear you. Thank you. Thank you for giving that to me. I will help you. The same spirit. I told the teens, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Same spirit that healed the sick, raised the dead. The same spirit lives inside of us. He can help us overcome sin. We just have to not be like the Israelites that wanted to keep holding on to Egypt. And we just got to say, you know what? I don't want this. I want you more. I want your presence. Whole, I mean, move the worship center. If you guys could really get a hold of this. I mean, the presence of God would be so strong. We couldn't stand it. Because he responds to those that fear him. And walk in that. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you want to just say, God, I have not been fearing you as I know I need to. And whatever area of his life, just raise your hand. If you want to walk in a greater fear of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray for every hand that is raised, Lord. And my hand is raised, God. I want to be so close to you, Jesus. I don't want anything to come in between me and you, Lord. I want to hear the secrets. I want to be called your friend, God. So God, we just ask that you'll come and that you will just hear our repentance now, God, and that you would just take these things out of our hearts and our lives, that you'll help us to deal with it, God. If we have unforgiveness, that God, you would help us to forgive. If we need to make amends with a brother or sister, God, that we would take the steps to do so. God, if there are things that we are watching or things that we are listening to or things that we are doing, God, that you don't want in our lives, that we would be ready to lay those things at the altar now and not come back to them, God, that we would say, here they are, Lord. We want you. We value you more than we value this. If there's a relationship in our life that we know is keeping us from being close to you, God, that we would lay that at your feet today, that we would sacrifice that, that we would be willing to give that up because we value you above all things. God, help us. Father God, help us in Jesus' name. 
I just opened this altar. If you raise your hand, it's time. It's time. Let's lay it at his feet. Let's lay it at the altar. Don't wait. Don't walk out these doors with your sin. Don't walk out these doors with the things that are separating you from God. Nobody's here judging because we all got stuff that we need to lay down. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for Boonville Worship Center, Lord. I thank you for this body that is so impacted my life. I would not be who I am today for not so many people in this body would have impacted me and imparted into me. And so God, I pray over this body that all those visions and all those prophecies and all the things that have been spoken over this body, God, I pray that as they begin to walk deeper in the fear of you, Lord, that those things will come to pass. I remember prophecies being that there would be crutches hung on the walls and wheelchairs lining the sides. And God, I know you have so much for this body, God. And I just pray right now for the fear of the Lord to be sealed upon their hearts that God, that they would truly begin to walk closer to you, that they would begin to hear the secrets that you have to share with them, Lord, that they can be going out and be more effective. Multiplication, Lord, I just speak multiplication over this body. And God, that you would just supernaturally pour your spirit out in a way that flows out into this community, that flows out into this country, that flows out into this world, God. And I just thank you for what you're doing. And we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 